Hey everyone, I'm Scott Cunningham, aka Scottsy Business. Today we have a very big episode. We're going to be going through the decentralization matrix. This is something that I've been working on for the past week or so. Uh, and just before that, I had a cold and before that I had COVID. So lots going on. Um, but I'm finally getting this done. I originally recorded this several times and, um, and I decided I was going to wait over the weekend to get a bunch of feedback from everyone. I shared the decentralization matrix work in progress and got a ton of feedback. I've actioned all that feedback and put things where I think made sense. And uh, now I think we're close to a pretty solid version. I think this is very important. So I'll probably do iterations of this like I do with a lot of my other stuff going forward and sort of update this and adjust based on feedback and what people think makes more sense. But essentially, it's helping you plot out blockchain social platforms and alt tech social platforms where they fall in the range from centralized to decentralized, looking at legacy platforms and then, you know, how integrated are they with the blockchain? And then as well as, you know, how freedom focused are they? How libertarian are they? Or how authoritarian are they? And that sort of gives us an X, Y, axis and we have a grid and then we plot out everything. We'll be taking a deep dive look into that as well as I'll go through all of the questions and things that sort of form the guiding. Um, it's, it's sort of like a guide that you can follow along and ask all these questions to sort of determine whether or not something is decentralized or not. And then based on all those answers, you can plot it out on this grid more or less. And I'll go through a couple examples so that it makes sense as to why I put things where I put them. And uh, so that you sort of know how to use these questions as well. You can't answer every question, but a lot of them will give you a really good idea of where a platform might fall. So you don't have to necessarily rely on my version of the decentralization matrix. Cause I know, you know, there's a lot of people who are like, oh, well, this is supposed to be here. This should be one up and one down. This is just a general idea to start the conversation and, you know, just help you visualize things a little bit. The more important component is really the guiding questions that we'll refer to and that you can then use to help make these decisions yourself and not have to rely on me. So I'm going to have to be very, very, very descriptive with everything because this is going to be my first podcast also episode. So I'm going to be very descriptive of all the visuals so that people following along on audio can still make sense of what I'm talking about. Let's jump into it. So first we'll just look at the, uh, the actual grid, the decentralization matrix, as I've liked to call it. Essentially on the left side, uh, we have libertarian on the X axis, and then we have authoritarian on the right side. On the top of the y-axis, I have legacy, and on the bottom, I have blockchain. So essentially, it's like, how much is it like a just normal social media platform on the top going down to, you know, you know, they've got tips, and then, you know, a little bit more than tips and different things that you can do. But then once you actually get below the line of blockchain, uh, they actually have integrations with the blockchain, content, um, you know, different things that are integrated somehow, um, and, or earning crypto also brings you closer to blockchain. So there's a very wide spectrum of where things fall, but, uh, this will give you an idea of how this works. And if you are listening on audio, you can always go and just, uh, check out the picture on one of my blogs or on, uh, any of my status platforms, which I'll be continually updating this and putting out new iterations of. So to give some idea of where things kind of fall on the very top left of libertarian and legacy, so not really blockchain, we have the Fediverse. There's many, many things that are connected to the Fediverse and work in it, like Mastodon. Um, there's so many like peer to any kind of like peer to peer um, instance that connects to the Fediverse to some degree. Um, very similar to that is Diaspora, which is very close to the right of that. Keep in mind, obviously, this isn't going to have every platform. This is more so platforms that I've tested and platforms that I'm currently using still, as well as, you know, making sure to touch on different points. But generally, I'm not really talking about any messaging platforms. I'm not really doing much for things that you have to download. It's more so 
easily accessible, large communities that people probably already know versus like, you know, very obscure, not well-known platforms. Because again, can't fit everything. But the questions that we will go get to after you can use to evaluate any platform more or less generally focused on blockchain social platforms. Uh, but you can generally apply most of the questions to most social platforms and generally just most things that touch blockchain if they're actually centralized or decentralized or where they fall on that scale. Because I know some people get upset if you just say something is decentralized, something is centralized. It's a spectrum and we want to find where things end up on that spectrum. So um, close to the line, we've got like read.cash, the x-axis of blockchain, and it's a little bit in the middle of the libertarian upper left sector or quadrant rather. Read.cash is just above the blockchain line because it, you know, you can sign up, there's no KYC, um, you can do whatever you want. There's a lot of leeway here, but, you know, and you can earn crypto and everything. You can do sponsors, boost, tip people, pretty much anything you can think of, but it's not integrated really to the blockchain. Like there's no content on the blockchain. Um, it's, it could end any day, for example, because it's not like trustless. It's not set up in that way. It was just set up and funded by donations and there's an anonymous team. So realistically, it could just shut down at any time, but it is an amazing, amazing platform for what it offers. It's just not extremely reliable and secure that we know it's still going to be around. As far left as you can get, not all the way to the left, but the furthest left in the blockchain quadrant is Hive. I've also um, taken the liberty to include a couple interfaces like PeakD, Leo Finance, and 3Speak. I know there's many people who would argue that they deserve to be separately added to this, but it's unrealistic to have every single app that's connected to a protocol listed here um, for the same reason that I just have the Fediverse up top, not all the individual instances and things like a peer to Macedon, et cetera. So, you know, big shout out to three speak and peak D and Leo finance. But again, I don't want this to get extremely confusing or, you know, taking up way too much space. So that's just a way to simplify it. But Hive is generally the most blockchain integrated platform that I know of. And it's fairly solid for libertarianism and, you know, being fairly free. I would say the two main criticisms against it are that the witnesses have a lot of the control and um, they're not really like changing very much. So one could argue that they generally run the platform. Um, but I mean, you know, you can vote. It's generally a DAO. There's a lot to it. One other criticism that I tend to hear about Hive is that, oh, well, you know, it's the platform won't censor you, but a whale or enough community consensus could somewhat take you off the main feed and or take away some of your earnings. And now while I do understand that is in a way like, you know, someone considers censorship, generally censorship is where, you know, some authoritative entity in the platform itself is the one who's like preventing you from doing this. It's a little different when it's like community consensus. Obviously, there are large whales who could make a vote and, and cause problems like that, but that doesn't happen very often. And it's still free money that you're being given. It's just the rewards are based on community consensus. So, you know, you do have to have that give and take. Um, but I've felt like, I mean, I've seen and experienced that generally the rewards are pretty consistent. And as long as you're, you know, posting in the right places and, you know, not doing anything sketchy or, you know, copyright or stealing things or doing anything wrong, generally that's not really a problem. And even if you're removed from the main feed, everyone can still see your content if they need to, and they can go to your profile and it's all still there. So, um, I would say it's probably one of the best examples we have for blockchain. It's not perfect because it it's very hard to get all the way to fully 100% decentralized and still be effective. 
I think this is the closest example that we can look to um, for what they provide. And again, several interface, well, there's more than several, there's many interfaces that connect to it and dApps, but to uh, make things simple, I've just included a few examples on top of that there. So uh, library is another example of that where there's several interfaces. I only included Odyssey because that's kind of the main one. Um, I think it is important to note that recently I did a thing saying library isn't really decentralized. It's still more decentralized than most things. Like it's pretty high up on the list, but there's still a lot of limitations and all the things I covered kind of explain that. One thing that I didn't even really get into was that if you do look at some of the other alternate interfaces for library, you still don't have very much leeway for things uh, like when I looked at an example, Painty the Pirate, his content was all banned for copyright. People say, oh, well, you can see it on Mattiator, but you still can't view it because it's only seeded content that is viewable. So you're still very, very limited by that mechanism. And if they if they take you off the main sites, if they take you off of Odyssey, if they take you off of library, it's going to be nearly impossible for people to find your content. Yes, you can request seeding. You can you can pay LBC uh, based on how many gigs of you want to upload to Mattiator, but you still have to request it to them and they still have to accept it. And they're still not going to help you with DMCA stuff anyways, or any kind of non-safe for work related content. So Painty the Pirate is a great example of someone who would still be at a loss no matter where you go. And I think that makes library not very, very decentralized. It's still pretty good. A lot of it is integrated with the blockchain to some degree. So it's in the blockchain quadrant. It's just probably a little bit lower than what people might have expected. Anyways, um, all the way to the right, the furthest right we have that is still blockchain is Steam. Now, it's not very, very far down because it's been very manipulated over the years and it's what Hive was built off of. But the problem with Steam is that Justin Sun did a hostile takeover and now can pretty much do anything. And we've seen him uh, steal millions of Steam directly out of people's accounts and drain it. That's about as authoritarian as you can get with a blockchain platform because while it is still technically blockchain, I use quotes, um, it's not really blockchain if someone can just come in and just like take everything out of your account. It's it's not really a decentralized blockchain in the way that people know it. I mean, obviously it is actually a blockchain, but it's not the type of blockchain that people colloquially understand to be a blockchain. A little confusing, but um, on the top right side, we've got legacy authoritarian. And while some of these do have crypto connected, it's how close they get to blockchain because, you know, you can have like tips and stuff, but is it really blockchain? Mines is a great example that I'd like to work through to sort of show my thinking here. Mines is halfway down between legacy and blockchain, mainly because 99% of the interactions on mines are done off chain. They're not really using the blockchain for most of what they do. Uh, it's just really for earning and then boosting more or less a little bit of tipping, but even to withdraw your funds to actually have true access, you have to pay, you have to KYC, you either pay them thousands and thousands of dollars, or you have to pay monthly with a credit card. So you have to KYC and do all this stuff. So it really goes against a lot of blockchain ethos values and it's authoritarian in the way that you know, you have to pay to withdraw your own money. Um, a little bit to the right of that, another good example as to why it fits here. Publish OX, many would say, um, is very decentralized because, you know, you get, you earn crypto and all this stuff, but it's whitelisting creators, meaning that they have to approve you before you're allowed to create. That is an extreme form of censorship because, you know, for example, Gab, Getter, Parler have all had small run-ins with censoring people or moderating things. And, it, you know, it hasn't been crazy because it's fairly reasonable, but touting themselves as free speech platforms brings a lot of criticism. 
The major difference between something like that and Publish OX is Publish OX automatically bans and censors all the people that it doesn't allow to create. So I would consider that a much more intense form of censorship, but it's very easy to earn crypto from their platform and then withdraw it. And, you know, there's no issues there. You don't have to KYC or anything like that. So there's a lot of leeway with blockchain usage and stuff like that. So I still think it's a great platform. It's just, you know, it's fairly legacy and it's not doing a whole lot with the blockchain. And because they do have that whitelisting for creators and such, you know, that is a problem as well. And then at the very, very top right, you know, 100% legacy, 100% authoritarian, you know, you've got the main Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Medium, Twitter, you know, you could add in everything else if you wanted, Snapchat, Tumblr, et cetera. Um, but that's really just to sort of paint a picture of where things fall to give you a better reference as to where other things might fall on this on this chart. On the very right side, I have the full spectrum of decentralized all the way down to centralized. And essentially what it's doing is taking all these plotted out logos, these platforms, running them through all of the questions I've come up with that we're going to go through and then deciding where they really truly fall on the spectrum uh, of from centralized to decentralized. And I think this is pretty good. It's been, you know, I've had tons of critiques and stuff and I've made a lot of iterations. I think this is a very, very solid place that I've landed at. And now we're going to go through the questions that one would ask if you were trying to determine, you know, is this actually decentralized or how decentralized is it or how centralized is it if, you know, all the answers are no, for example. So these are the questions that I ask when I'm trying to determine. And these are the questions that I recommend you use as a guide to try to determine these things as well for yourself when you're deciding, is this actually decentralized or not? So the first question is, can anyone monetize? I'll share my, my actual full screen here and they'll be in the description below. So you can always refer back to that. Can anyone monetize? This is important because some people might say, oh, well, if you can receive tips, that's monetization. I disagree. I don't think that's actual monetization. Uh, I don't think Twitter is decentralized and you can tip people on Twitter. So I don't really consider that monetization. I consider monetization the ability to earn ad revenue and or earn from your content that you post to the platform, whether it's, uh, you know, getting some of the mining rewards given to you, whether whatever it happens to be, whether it's like on Hive or, you know, many of the platforms that offer rewards, even library, while it's very centralized with its rewards, you still can monetize. But with library, for example, not everyone can monetize because you have to KYC and go through a verification process. You don't have to do that with Hive, for example. So technically anyone can monetize. The next question, uh, kind of related to what I was just saying, is there a KYC process? Because even if you can monetize, if there's a KYC process that prevents you from being able to do that, many people who care about blockchain and the ethos kind of behind that will uh, will shy away from a platform that requires KYC. That's why, for example, I said uh, with mines requiring you to pay to get your money out and there's a KYC process attached to that, that's very, very bad. And that's why it's not very decentralized. Are the tokenomics of the system sustainable? This is more so like, is the platform actually going to last? But I do think it's important to consider because you could have a great platform giving out insane amounts of money and then it'll just, it'll plummet and it'll crash and burn very, very quickly. We sort of saw this with library now pulling back all the rewards. And we see this with platforms like so me and uptrend, which crashed and burned, trying to do sort of the same thing. Uh, so me was a great example where they were giving out, you know, $500 rewards, but then they weren't letting people withdraw unless they KYC and went through all this big process and they were charging like a hundred dollars. And then they shut down all of their wallets and all this craziness. I don't even include so me on the chart because it's so far into authoritarian, uh, that it doesn't even, it's, it's just off the grid basically. But, uh, I'm not really going to 
include many like scams, which is so me because so me is now just an interface on hive, but I'm going to sort of not include any platforms that I've exposed or considered scams. I do have BitCloud in there only because they eventually enabled withdrawals. So you can still withdraw, but they did still do all the manipulative stuff with the pre-mine. They lied. They did everything that I talked about in the previous video of me exposing BitCloud, but they get that little bit of an out because they did actually make that change. But I'm not including platforms like SoMe or Theta or DLive that had a lot of these different problems in the past. Do they sell premium features? I think this is important because, you know, a premium feature like you have on like YouTube premium to avoid ads and stuff like that. I get why that's the thing, but it seems like a very centralized entity feature to include, right? Like YouTube uh, Odyssey now is doing premium so that you can pay to not have to watch ads. And interestingly enough, almost every platform that I've seen release premium typically comes along with a credit card and they don't even let you do it with crypto. Same with mines, same with uh, a lot of platforms that do this. So it's very concerning when you see premium features pop up and then it includes, you know, a KYC process and all this other stuff attached to it. So I do think that's important to note. I'm not necessarily saying that you're centralized if you just have a premium feature, but that is always kind of something that, you know, pops up on my radar as a red flag. I mean, even BitTube used to have it. And then when they kind of reset everything, they just scrapped it entirely because I think that they, they kind of realized that as well. Um, and that's just, you know, one thing I think that's kind of an iffy one because, you know, a platform could have premium features, but then it's also like, where is that money going? Why do you have to pay, you know, a few dollars a month just to avoid ads or whatever? Uh, that's very, very optional. So I wouldn't worry about that too much, but it's just something to keep in mind when you're going through all these questions. Are there back doors or super administrative users that could just log into anyone's account and do something or some in some way? Um, so we saw this with Twitter when there was that big hack and everyone's accounts got uh, broken into and then they were doing a Bitcoin scam, I believe it was. That is very, very, very centralized. It's It basically shows that they could do whatever they want to your account if they decided to. Uh, or if there's a problem and someone else takes advantage of that feature. So you definitely don't want that. That is extremely, extremely centralized. What is the initial token distribution? Was there a pre-mine? Was there a ninja mine? Uh, we saw this with LBC library where they had a pre-mine for LBC and clearly uh, that didn't work out very well. They've got the SEC on them and they're doing pretty terribly right now. No offense, guys. Uh, the ninja mine is a reference to Steam and that whole debacle with Justin Sun taking it over. And now we have Hive and there is no more Ninja Mine stake. You definitely want to avoid terrible initial token distributions or, you know, flaws in their token distributions that will prop probably end up coming out later or affecting in some way. Uh, as I mentioned earlier with BitClout, how they lied about the pre-mine and they basically manipulated all the values on the platform. So you definitely want to keep that in mind. And also many of these, you won't really be able to easily just know that that's a thing. Um, so generally, if you're just sort of prospecting, checking out a platform, evaluating it very lightly, you just want to stick to some of the questions that are easy to answer. Can anyone monetize? Can you just sign up and start earning? Is there KYC? Do you have to provide any like serious details about yourself to actually you know, get on the platform and start using it. There's many of these things that are very easy to test. Um, like, can you withdraw your funds, right? It, deposit a tiny amount and then just try to withdraw it. And that's the easiest test to tell if something is very centralized or not, because if you can't get it out, that is a very, very big problem. What is the ratio of tokens staked versus liquid tokens and how many people are staking? This is a little bit more technical because, you know, it's not that important, but say there's only a handful of people staking and they're, they've got like all of the coins coming in for rewards are going to these few people. That is kind of concerning because that's kind of centralizing the system more and more over time. 
Um, but you know, there's a lot of different ways that, that, that can play out and it's hard to, you know, like prevent wealth concentration and you really shouldn't prevent it. So that's kind of, that's not the easiest one to determine, but it is something to consider if you can get that information. How many core developers are there for the platform? Like with read.cash, there's just a handful of people. It's an anonymous team. That's not very reliable to me. That's very centralized. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Will it still be there? Who knows? It's all up to them. Whereas like Hive, you've got tons and tons of people working on it and it's through a DAO and they're hosting nodes and doing all this stuff. So that's a much better situation. But then you've also got, you know, the number of application developers. So like, can other people actually come in and work on the pl- uh, on the project and build their own stuff? So, you know, there's people building out interfaces for library, although I've talked about why they're not really that good because they're still extremely limited by the seeding that would be done on the library application. So they're still kind of beholden to that. There's still a lot of limitations, whereas like Hive, There's so many interfaces that are being built and tons of people working on them and building out new services and things for you to use. That's a very good sign because you know there's tons of options out there and not as much restrictions and you can go from one to the other uh, or do whatever you need to do. Along with that, generally it would have to be open source for that to be possible for anyone to just jump in and start working. Also, can you self-host content or utilize peer-to-peer technology? That's very important because if you are given the option, that's probably one of the best ways to be confident that your content is going to be safe and stored securely and you know be as censorship resistant as you generally can make it. Um, so having that ability is very, very important. Library definitely does a good job of doing that, but you know, Hive gives you a much, much, much more options, uh, utilizing IPFS. There's a lot of different things that you can take advantage of, uh, for hosting your content. Uh, and that's, you know, it's not so, so important that you need to self host, but having some sort of distribution that makes it harder for your content to be hidden or censored or removed or whatever is really, really key to decentralization. Can anyone post content and participate? This is important. Is it invite only, right? Because uh, Publish OX, while I love the platform, they whitelist creators, so it's not as decentralized as many of the other platforms. Rockfin, fairly decent platform, but still they approve creators. So uh, there's a very, very big limitation there. Whereas, and even something like uh, like library, you need LBC to pay to post. So I would still argue that not everyone can post content. Um, same with like, can anyone monetize? No, only people who are willing to verify and people who have some money already. I feel like these platforms that have payments attached to everything that you do, or, uh, you know, it's, it's invite only, or they have like some process where it's not easy for people to actually get in to create. That's very much harder for poorer people and people who don't have those means to, uh, to do that. Or either in a third world country and it's harder to provide KYC or whatever it happens to be. I think generally that's more discriminatory against those types of people. Um, so I think that's, you know, really unfortunate and that's not as decentralized as it could be. You shouldn't have a platform that's like invite only or only certain people can create. It should just be completely open if it's actually decentralized. Can anyone develop third-party applications, tools, and services for the platform? Very similar to what I was saying with like the number of decentralized app developers. But the difference here is, can anyone do it? Not how many are there? And again, that kind of goes back to you know, is it open source? Is it fairly easy to understand? A lot of those kinds of things, because if it's open source, but it's extremely complex and impossible to use, then is it really that good? Because only the people who know how to use it are the ones that are going to build anything. And in a way that centralizes what is possible to those people. So wherever you can open things up and get more people involved, the better. How challenging or easy is it to fork or clone? Um, 
it won't be the same for every project because it has to be fairly blockchain integrated for this to make sense. A good example, obviously, is Hive or Steam because uh, Hive is a fork from Steam. And then you've got clones of Hive like Blurt. Um, DTube was originally based off of that infrastructure and it's got its own chain now, but it's fairly similar. So being able to easily do that is very important, A, because you could have like a hostile takeover, for example, like what happened with Steam, and then they created Hive fairly quickly, as well as, you know, if you want to do something different and it's not just an interface that you want to build, you want to build something entirely new, um, but still based on the general principles of like Hive, for example, you can clone it and start doing your own thing. So there's a lot of different ways that you can do this. Um, how is privacy handled? This is kind of a nuanced one. You have to do some critical thinking because privacy, for example, on, you know, a platform that has no KYC like uh, like Hive, you could technically be fully private with your posts and your content because no one really knows who you are in any means of the word. But everything you do is still public. All of your transactions, every message, every post, every comment, everything is fully public but you yourself are hidden. So it is fairly nuanced because again, um, you could have KYC and then everything is private, but the entity still knows who you are. So you're not fully private or you could have no KYC and everything is fully public, but technically you're private if you want to be anonymous. So it's very nuanced. Um, you do have to do a little bit of critical thinking there to decide which way that sort of falls. How concentrated is the wealth of the ecosystem? This one is very nuanced as well, because I don't think you should prevent wealth concentration. That's not good. That tends to lead to socialism. Um, but if a, if a system is entirely controlled by one person, obviously that's very centralized if they control all of the wealth and all of the decision-making power. So you do have to consider that, but you know, have that nuance that you shouldn't really be preventing wealth concentration if people are just managing to earn it themselves and build up their wealth or or they've invested a bunch themselves and they've put money on the line and then it, it grew over time. I think that's very different from starting a platform and making yourself the overlord because you've got all the power and all the, all the crypto. It's very different. Is there cryptocurrency an actual cryptocurrency? Um, a good example of this is like, Vivi, the very popular application where people are buying NFTs. But the way that you buy NFTs is you buy in-game points or in-app points called gems, and then you buy it. That's all fully KYC, and it's not really using cryptocurrency to do most of that stuff. Um, you know, Hive off-chain, or definitely not Hive, Mines off-chain basically just a point system. Uh, and most people aren't going to get that off anyways, because you have to pay and do all this extra stuff in KYC. So is the cryptocurrency really a cryptocurrency? I think LBC, while I've criticized it a lot, it is fully a cryptocurrency. I mean, they're being investigated by the SEC, but you know, you can still withdraw it, do whatever you want at any time. It's all on-chain transactions. That's solid. Same with like Hive and many other platforms. Does it support, and more importantly, uphold free speech? Now, a lot of these platforms claim that they like free speech and they're all about free speech. I would say that's still going to rank them a little bit better than platforms that fully say we don't respect free speech, like Twitter, uh, which literally recently, I think it was maybe a month ago or two months ago, their new CEO came out and said, Free speech is just, you know, like for the US, but we're a global company. So we go beyond that and we do more. They add much more rules on top of it. So they don't really respect free speech uh, and they don't uphold it either. And then there's platforms like Gab, Parler, Getter that are all very gung-ho on the idea of free speech, but they still, you know, do moderation and censorship as well, just on a much smaller scale. And I still think a lot of the instances aren't crazily unreasonable, but when you're marketing yourself as a free speech platform, you know, free speech absolutism is, is, is a hard fight to fight when you're saying stuff like that. So it really, really depends. Um, the only really safe thing is when it's actually a trustless solution built into the blockchain or, you know, in some way that 
they can't just claim it's free speech. It is free speech by design, and there's no way to get around that. Jumping real quick to the last question, how many factors that we're discussing today are actually trustless solutions versus just claims and policies, right? Even mines in their terms and conditions has, you know, many things that are like, well, if we need to ban you, we can ban you. When a platform doesn't have any terms and conditions at all, that's probably a good sign. Hive, for example. Um, how is moderation and censorship cases handled? This one is pretty nuanced because there's a lot of different ways that this can be done. Uh, Minds has like a jury, but they do a lot of censoring of different things on their platform. Um, Hive is a consensus of the community, but there's also people who have a lot of power and can sort of jump the line in making that consensus and make that happen. So there's a lot of ways that moderation and censorship are dealt with on many platforms. You just got to consider how that's done. And if it's done in a way that is very centralized, like Twitter, where they're just, hey, you're gone, uh, no recourse, whatever, versus all the way down to like Hive or some of these blockchain platforms where it's very, very challenging to be censored in almost any way. And even if you know, for some reason you are, everyone can still generally see your content. Um, you could still receive tips. Still, all of these things are possible and you're not being like limited in any way, but you know, there's still got to be some sort of way to deal with that. It's just, how are they doing it? More importantly, or not more importantly, it's kind of like a subset of that. Do they go after copyrighted material? It's not that I'm pro- piracy, which I sort of am, but that's not really the reason here. It's that if they can go after copyright material, those same tools and mechanisms that they can use to take down copyright material from like a centralized entity that does this, like library going after a channel that has copyright and taking it down, that same mechanism can be applied to anything else. It's just they promise they won't do it or whatever, or they say they'll only use it for those certain things. But if they have the tools in place, it's absolutely possible for them to apply that anywhere else. There's no blockchain salute, like smart contract preventing them from doing this. It's, it's just the same as more or less. It's just the same as Twitter or any other legacy platform saying, uh, well, this is copyright. We're going to take this down versus a platform like, uh, hive where someone might notice that you're stealing copyrighted material and presenting it as your own. So they might downvote you so that at very least you don't earn any rewards because there's no reason why you should um, versus, you know, preventing other people from even seeing what you're posting. It's not being censored, really. It's just that there's a consensus that you shouldn't really be earning for other people's work. But then there's many platforms that are just fully, you know, they, they don't even really worry about that at all anyways. So if they can go after copyright material is something that you really need to consider because again, those same tools can be applied anywhere else generally. Is the governance decentralized? There's a lot to this. There's a lot of sub questions, but it's essentially is the decision-making processes centralized or decentralized? While it's fairly concentrated on Hive within the top witnesses to make their choices on what's going to happen to the platform. It is a DAO. So it is more, de much more decentralized than just, you know, uh, library Inc, which became lab for Mars. They control all the governance of the platform. They control all of the monetization and what happens there. And we've seen that they can ban channels and hide things and do tons of stuff. It's very, very centralized in what they can do, but it's still more decentralized than a lot of other platforms. Um, if there's a CEO or a company behind the project, you also open up a lot of room for problems. It's not necessarily so centralized, but as we see with library having a company lab for Mars, uh, they're being sued by the SEC. So you definitely open yourself up to liabilities and risks when you have a company or a CEO associated to the project itself. So in a way, read.cash having an anonymous team is kind of good because then there's no issues with stuff like that. 
or Hive, where it's a DAO, uh, no one person is the fall guy and it's distributed. So even if they went after, you know, just a couple witnesses that were in the US, the other witnesses would still be able to run and, you know, there would be no issues really. Is voting transparent while still protecting privacy? I think Hive is a good example of this. And I mean, some of these are nuanced because it's not like you'll have voting for everything. That's more so for something that's actually pretty decentralized, like a DAO. So Hive, you can vote and you can see all the votes that people are doing and stuff. So it's fairly decentralized in that way. And it still protects the privacy. I mean, I'm pretty sure you can, you, you obviously can go and see who's voting for what, but it's not like so obvious. Um, so, I mean, but as I said before, you have to keep that nuance of on hive, you could still be a hundred percent private and give no KYC, no personal details, but your voting still might be to some degree public. Is there anything that is protecting the governance model from an attack? A great example of this is when steam had the hostile takeover from Justin Sun, uh, Hyobi, Probit and Binance. And I'm still astonished to this day that people still trust those platforms after what they did with user funds that were used for governance, which I would assume is just illegal, but regardless, now Hive has a 30 day power up before you can get into governance to sort of deal with that and delay that problem and then be able to address it with the community, et cetera. So being able to protect the governance model from attack is pretty important as well to actually secure the, the decentralization aspect. Because as we saw, Steam became fairly centralized because the governance model had uh, that liability and, um, and it was taken advantage of. So does the project actually use and integrate with a blockchain? This is important because that's largely the uh, Y axis of you know legacy to blockchain. How actually integrated is it with the blockchain? And some questions you can actually ask to get there. And this is a little nuanced because it depends how the blockchain is actually built. Uh, I'm kind of using Hive as a as a leading questions here, uh, like how many nodes are there? How distributed are the nodes? So obviously you want as many nodes as possible so that if some go down, it's not going to you know massively affect the network. And then you want them to obviously be distributed because as I said, if they were say all in the US and then there was a problem in the US or the SEC was going after them, then they could all be shut down potentially. But if it's distributed across the world, you're much more secure because it would be very hard for everything to go down unless there was like a global blackout and you'd have much bigger problems than uh, your hive nodes. What is the barrier of entry to start a node? I think this is important because if it's very, very challenging, only a small portion of people are going to be able to do it. Or if it's very expensive to start doing it, only a small handful of people are going to be able to. And that's going to centralize like the, the, the power a little bit. And you obviously don't want that, but you don't want it so easy that it's like one click away and everyone's just kind of churning these nodes and then like quitting or whatever. And that's a less effective system. Uh, so there has to be some barrier of entry, but low enough that it's not causing problems for people to get in. Are they incentivized fairly, the node, the people running the nodes, without over-concentrating wealth to the top players? Again, I don't think that you should prevent wealth concentration because that's basically socialism, but the system should still be designed in a way that not all of the wealth is just going to go to a small handful of people because then you're just centralizing the power to those people. And obviously you want to try to avoid that, but I don't think you should retroactively be going back and trying to prevent wealth concentration or taking away concentrated wealth. We're almost done here. Does it use Amazon Web Services, Google, Cloudflare, or any other service and relies on that service that would create a point of failure? For example, Gab had all these different centralized services that it was basically banned from and that caused a lot of problems. Same thing basically happened to Parler. So you don't want to have a single, you know, instance that, um, or a single point of failure that is basically caused by one of these massive providers. And then that's going to 
prevent people from accessing your site and basically centralizes a lot of the power, whether or not they intended to, to these large corporations because they can just basically turn off the lights at any time. And then, as I mentioned already, how many of all of this, all these questions are actually able to be trustless and provided with like a blockchain solution versus just someone making a promise. I remember uh, the CEO of Rumble went on and talked with Tim Pool, and he basically said, yeah, the only thing that's making this platform like free and open and stuff is just my promises and our, you know, uh, our about section and our value statement and stuff like that. It doesn't really mean anything uh, because at the end of the day, a new CEO could come in and change all that. The CEO could have lied from the beginning or become malicious in the future. Like you don't want to just rely on someone's word. You want it to be built into the code so that it's basically immutable. Um, ideally, it would be built into the blockchain code, not just a legacy platform code. That's pretty much it for determining how decentralized or centralized something is and where it would fall on the spectrum and how I got all those things plotted out on that grid, the decentralization matrix, as I like to call it. There are some further questions to consider whether or not the platform is actually good, though, because we're just talking about if it's decentralized or centralized, not if it's a platform worth using. I've been going back and forth as to whether or not a platform being free to use is centralized or not. I'm leaning towards it being centralized because it always is negatively affecting like the poorer people. If, you know, if it's not free, it's going to be very, very challenging for people to use the platform and just for general adoption, like someone on Twitter, you go to them and you say, Hey, want to use something just like Twitter, but with less censorship. And they're like, perfect. That sounds great. And you're like, yeah, you just have to pay a bunch every time you post. And they're like, oh, okay. Obviously that's not going to be a thing. And a lot of people say, oh, well, like you have to put in the work. If you want decentralization, you have to pay for it. You have to host your own server. You have to do all this stuff. And it's like, Listen, all you're doing is scaring away normal people who obviously aren't going to pay and they're obviously not going to do all that stuff. So you can say, oh, you should have that. That's what true decentralization is. This is from the standpoint of, is that realistic? What is actually going to happen? What will people actually be willing to do in the real world, not in theory? So that's very important to consider. Uh, does it have working media functionality? Like, is the site actually, you know, got content on it? Uh, are the load times reasonable or is it pretty much unusable? Is it easy to sign up and get onboarded and get started? Is there a decent sized community? Are there language filters or is it because if you go on a website and it's all a different language, more or less, that's, that feels like spam. It's just spam because you have no idea what's going on. So having some sort of language filters or something like that is generally ideal or, you know, if it's like an English first platform for English users, that makes more sense. Um, obviously, there's no issue with having a platform that's focused on a specific language for other people. But given that this is an English channel, obviously, we are focused on English. Do you have to download something to use it? So I've generally stayed away from platforms that require you to download stuff to use the platform, because I know most people aren't willing to do that. It's very different from if you have to download a mobile application versus like installing something on your computer to use it. The last question is, does it have a mobile application? Because again, that's very, very easy and simple. And people are not very hesitant to download a, uh, just an app on your phone. But people are very hesitant to be installing and downloading all this stuff on their computer to be able to use a platform that they could just otherwise download something on their phone or just access via a web browser. So that's pretty much everything. I know this was a very, very long video. So I really appreciate everyone who stayed to the end. Um, I wanted to be as thorough as possible talking about all of these questions um, and why they're important to consider. I'm sure there's some other questions that you could be asking. I would love to know what, what those are. And if I feel that you've given a really good uh, recommendation, I will include it and make an edit so that it is also included for people to refer to because what we're doing here is creating the best guide possible for you to be able to just apply to 
other platforms yourself without having to rely on me to do the legwork for you. You've got this template to sort of apply. And then with the visual component here, this just helps you get an idea of where things generally fall so that when you're evaluating a new platform, you could say, oh, well, this is really similar to this platform. So it might fall somewhere similar. Let me just ask some of these questions. Oh, does it have KYC? Do, can anyone monetize? Da, 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 da. And you go through and then it's very easy. It's, it's a lot easier for you to plot something out and get an idea of where things fall. The reason I, th I think this is so important is with, you know, all these concerns about Elon Musk buying Twitter and stuff, um, you know, uh, CZ from Binance owns the largest share in Forbes. Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post. It's becoming much, much less reliable to be, you know, relying on them for genuine uh, information and having a decentralized alternative that you can go and use and refer to and not have any issues with is very, very important. And I think a lot of people don't know much about these platforms or they don't know if a platform's truly decentralized or it's just saying, oh yeah, we, we support free speech, we promise versus actual trustless solutions. So you can refer to this. This is by no means a final version. This is a work in progress. So I'm happy to continually work on this and update this over time. Uh, I'm still accepting all recommendations and suggestions and making changes based on that. So please leave all your recommendations and rationale because I do need some sort of reasoning behind why you think things should be somewhere. A lot of people just said, oh, this should be included. And then I say, why? And they say, because it's great. And it's like, well, that doesn't really give me any context as to where it needs to be included or if it passes any of these questions. So ideally, you can use the questions that I've provided, answer them for me, and then give me back, you know, or as best as you can, and then give me back a sort of synopsis of that. And I'd be happy to make adjustments if people are providing, you know, constructive, useful insights um, versus just saying like, oh, like, I really like this platform. I invest in it. It should be higher on the list or da, 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 da. Um, I'm not trying to favor anything. Like people were like, oh, like publish OX should be further to the right because um, they have to whitelist creators. And it's like, yeah, I, I agree. But it's also fairly decent in terms of like the moderators aren't doing a whole lot of censoring of normal people in the comments just like normal users and there's no kyc or any issues with getting your funds out and a lot of the questions it passes still but then it fails in other areas so you know you've got to apply all the questions it's not just this xy axis of legacy to blockchain libertarian to authoritarian it's all of those other questions that all go together and then that creates the centralized the decentralized uh spectrum here as I've plotted it out. So do let me know what you guys think. Um, if I'm wrong about any of this, if you've got any suggestions or changes, if I should add any other questions to be considered, let me know all that good stuff. And if there's any other platforms that I should be looking at or using in general, or should be reviewing or whatever, I'm always interested in learning about new platforms. I will be doing my comprehensive blockchain social platform review very, very soon. So. I will give a much deeper insight into why I do or don't recommend certain platforms here. This is more so just are they decentralized or not, or in where do they fall on that spectrum? So let me know uh, in the comments below. And since you did watch the very end, I really appreciate it. I know this was a really long one. Do comment hashtag number one ham in the comments to let me know that you watched the whole video. As always, I'm Scott Cunningham, aka Scotty Business, signing off. Cheers.